Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. This is Season 4, Episode 12 of the Next Step Podcast. It's also part of our Delight book reading on Facebook Live. I've been reading Delight, Discipleship as the Adventure of Loving and Being Loved, and I have to say, I've been having quite a good time doing it. So thanks for joining us again tonight. It was a rainy, rainy day here in Michigan today, a little on the cool side. It warmed up a little bit as the rain stopped. I saw a single boat. It looked like they were trolling for walleye, though we don't usually catch walleye till after dark here. But it was a pretty dark day, so maybe he caught something. Uh, Today we get to start Section 3. Section 3 is called Your Adventure of Delight. So section one, the first five chapters were brief chapters, and they looked at the different vocabulary, that word cloud of delight from the Old and New Testament, Greek and Hebrew, uh, and just the way that theology plays out throughout the whole story of Scripture, that library we call the Bible. And then the second section looked at God's delight in us. And and we looked at things like how God calls us a treasured possession or how he delights over us with singing Or how Jesus even invites us individually, but also as a church, to imagine our relationship with him as a bridegroom and a bride. And now in this third section, we get to look at now our life as followers of Jesus. And I put that under the banner of your adventure of delight. So we'll start with section 9, but but actually there's a couple of pages of introduction to section 3. begins on page 140, and that's where we'll start tonight. Uh, This section is called, Welcome to the Adventure of Your Life. God delights in people. God created, redeemed, and continues to sustain real, live human beings. And God loves it when these people feel the same way about their creator, redeemer, and sustainer. That mutual delight in loving and being loved has been the central theme of this book. We started in section one, the architecture of delight, with a look at some of the biblical vocabulary that helps us define a scriptural framework of mutual delight. Then in section two, God delights in us, we looked at some of the unique and powerful ways the scriptures talk about God's heart for God's people. You are God's treasured possession. God delights over you with singing. Jesus is head over heels in love with you and with y'all. In this last section, we get to turn our attention to the other side of that mutual delight equation, as the scriptures invite you to experience your relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit already now, with delight that is visceral, emotional, intellectual, and playful all at the same time. To turn that page and talk about your adventure of delight does not mean we've stopped talking about God's action and now we get to talk about how you can uphold your end of the bargain. Quite the contrary. Just as God's delight in us is grounded in God's work for us, our delight in God is grounded in God's work in, uh, in us. <clears throat> it's still God's work. <clears throat> it's kind of important. I'm going to say that again. Just as God's delight in in us is grounded in God's work for us. Our delight in God is grounded in God's work in us. It's still God's work. And that is such good news. As we shall see, you don't have to manufacture your own delight in God's will or God's word or God's ways. You don't have to pull yourself up by your own spiritual bootstraps so you can experience more fulfillment as a follower of Jesus. 
you don't carry the burden of fulfilling the expectations of being a good Christian. You get the delight. You get to delight in what God is up to in your life as the Spirit shapes delight in you. This is an adventure of delight. For me, at least, the word adventure is exciting. An adventure can take you to places you didn't expect for reasons that weren't clear at the time. There may well be a sense of movement or progress on an adventure, but any destination you reach is just a next step in the journey. And even going backwards can propel the plot forward. On an adventure, you never know what twists or turns are around the next corner, which characters will be introduced in the next chapter, or what new information will cause you to reevaluate everything you thought you knew so far. An adventure can have a goal or a timeline, but as any adventurer knows, you have to hold your plans loosely and see what happens on the road. To be on an adventure is to be committed to a process you know you can't control, but you also know will bring new knowledge, new discovery, new risks, and new rewards. I firmly believe that your delight in following Jesus is tied directly to a spirit of adventure, a willingness to courageously embark without knowing the final destination and discover the meaning of the journey along the way. Following Jesus is the most difficult thing you will ever do. And following Jesus is the most exciting, challenging, engaging, heartbreaking, frustrating, meaningful, scary, fun, and delightful thing you can ever be a part of. Finding delight in who God is and what God is up to in your life is an adventure. It can be dangerous as well as exhilarating, and it is not for the faint of heart. But you also follow a Jesus who will not break a bruised reed or snuff out a smoldering wick. Even adventurers get exhausted, lonely, lost, and confused. And Jesus is there for that part of the adventure, too. So buckle up and hold on tight and let the adventure begin. Chapter 9, God's Will Directs Your Adventure. Section 1, Expanding Our Definition. Way back in the introduction, I referred to a traditional corporate confession of sins that actually gives the reason we want God to forgive, uh, the reason we want God to be active in our lives of faith. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, you know how it goes, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. That delight is a gift of God and a product of the Spirit's work in your life. That delight flows from God's action of forgiving, renewing, and leading. That delight is connected to God's will and results in walking in God's ways. God's will directs your adventure of following Jesus. Delighting in God's will is like striking a chord on a guitar. The strings are in tune with each other. The fingering establishes the right relationship between the strings, and the vibration of the strings together produces a resonance, amplified by the instrument, for the delight of those who play and those who hear. 
the music that results in striking that delight chord is like walking in God's ways. God's will being played out in the diverse rhythms and chord progressions of countless beautiful lives in different ages and cultures around the world. To delight in God's will is to walk in God's ways. And more than that, to delight in God's will is to delight in God's delight. Thinking of God's will as God's delight seems very foreign to me. For me, the concept of God's will can seem hard or cold or even calculating. I was surprised to find that the Greek word for will fits comfortably in the biblical word cloud for delight. When I hear people talk about God's will, I don't have to I don't get the impression they have delight in mind at all. But the Bible actually does overlap the concepts of pleasure, desire, delight, and will. That overlap challenges how I typically imagine what it means to hope and pray or act for God's will to be done. God's will isn't the only concept in our thinking about life with God that needs some reimagining. As I see it, we have also shifted the central meanings of such important ideas as the law, justice, righteousness, or even obeying God's commands. That sort of shift happens slowly and naturally over time and can really be confusing. Some scripture verses can seem awkward or unintelligible to us simply because the meanings of key vocabulary words have migrated. Sometimes a little. Sometimes a lot. We don't get these words completely wrong. It's more like we put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. The parts of the meaning we emphasize and minimize end up modifying the core concept to the point that although we keep using those words, I don't think they mean what we think they mean. Or at least those words don't carry a sense of delight anymore. And I think they really should. Because I think at one time they really did. These concepts that need more delight are so important to the biblical witness that shifting our focus even a little has the potential to change how we imagine our lives as followers of Jesus. So it's worth going back to some of the original vocabulary of Scripture to try and hear the resonance of delight. Stick with me if the original languages aren't your cup of tea. I, I really hope this comes together in a way that makes you reimagine God's will and God's delight in your life. The idea that God's will or delight actually directs your faith adventure should come as astoundingly good news. This is not an academic exercise. And we do kind of need to dabble a little in Greek and Hebrew to get there. I'll make it as painless as possible, which also means I won't be nearly detailed enough. Remember, my goal is not to prove or convince but to help you catch a glimpse of something you didn't know was there before. I want you to pick up delight-tinted glasses to look at things you thought you knew about God and Christian living. I want to alleviate the burden of being a good Christian with the adventure of being a follower. I want you to begin to experience delight in God's will as you walk in God's ways to the glory of God's holy name. Let's start with the concept of God's will. 
We'll reimagine a few other biblical words along the way, but most of them tie directly back to God's will being done and what that means for us. Back in chapter 4, we met the Hebrew word for pleasure or desire, kephets. The C-H-E is pronounced K, kephets. Kephets refers to something that you desire because it brings you pleasure or delight. Kephets, dictionary definition, delight, pleasure, desire, or longing. In chapter 5 on desirable delight, we talked about how pleasure and desire, although they sometimes carry negative connotations for us, belong to the biblical word cloud of delight. Desirable delight makes you say, yes, please. We even noted that this desirable delight isn't a sinful pleasure, it's a good pleasure. Indeed, one way to translate the Hebrew word kephetz is good pleasure. And God's good pleasure is nothing less than God's will. The thing God wants done because it brings such delight. It's no wonder that the Hebrew word for desirable delight, kephetz, often came across in the Greek translation of the Old Testament as the Greek word for good pleasure or will, thelema. Thelema, good pleasure, will, or delight. You might not remember all of the vocabulary words from chapter 5, but perhaps you remember some of the biblical verses that helped establish the idea that, biblically speaking, God's will and God's pleasure overlap in meaning. Do you remember Psalm 1, verse 2? Blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Already back in chapter 5, we talked about how the word law usually has a negative connotation as a set of rules that shows us how sinful we are. Of course, law can mean that in the Bible. But often, law is a broad concept that includes not only commands and restrictions, but promises, relationships, and the story of God acting in human history to save Law, in the Hebrew phrase, the law of the Lord, or the Torah of Yahweh, means much more than we mean by law in the phrase law and gospel, or even in the phrase, I fought the law and the law won. I fought the law and the law won. The Torah of Yahweh is the whole history and promised future of God's gracious interaction with God's people. Psalm 1 talks about delighting in the story of God's saving relationship with God's people, which includes commands and blessings and promises and saving actions. When we talked about desirable delight in chapter 5, we noticed that the specific vocabulary in the Hebrew and Greek version of Psalm 1 shed some light on delight. Blessed is the person whose kephets in Hebrew is in the law of the Lord, or blesses the person whose thelema in Greek is in the law of the Lord. Both versions of Psalm 1 verse 2 are talking about the desirable delight that makes you say, yes, please, thelema and kephets. Then we notice that the Greek version of Psalm 119 verse 35 makes the same translation decision. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find kephets in Hebrew, Thelema in Greek. Again, both versions are talking about a desirable delight in God's directing the journey of faith. While the Hebrew word kephetz leans toward pleasure or desire, the Greek word thelema begins to shade toward 
will, but they definitely overlap in meaning. Both are talking about a delight that makes you say, yes, please. It seems the Greek word thelema can translate the Hebrew word for desirable delight. But when we translate the Greek into English, we get the word will. Translating thelema as will isn't wrong, but certainly carries little or no sense of delight. I mean, when I talk about God's will, I'm not usually thinking desirable delight. Are you? When I hear someone evoke God's will, it usually refers to something I know I won't like, but I have to take because it will ultimately be good for me, even though I find it repulsive now. Like cough medicine. And yet the Greek version of the Old Testament that was being read in Jesus' day was able to translate the Hebrew word for desire or pleasure or pleasurable delight with a word that means will. I suspect that the way will and delight overlap in the Old Testament is different from how will and cough medicine overlap, at least for me, in English. That insight leads me to wonder if the word will overlaps with the concept of desirable delight in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the version being read when the New Testament was being written, maybe the Greek word for will in the New Testament is also steeped in delight. The Bible intertwines the Hebrew kephets and the Greek thelema, and then we translate thelema into English as will. I wonder if delight gets lost in translation. Perhaps we need to look at expanding our definitions. The next section is called God's Will and God's Pleasure. If we want to delight in God's will and walk in God's way, then how we understand God's will is essential. If God's will and God's pleasure overlap in significant ways in the Bible, but when we read those different words, I'm pretty sure we understand very different things. Take Revelation 4 verse 11 as a test case. Revelation chapter 4 describes a scene of heavenly worship, a hymn that includes these words of praise. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That's Revelation 4.11 in the NIV. Of course, the phrase translated by your will includes the Greek word thelema. When I read that verse, I typically think of God's will as the thing God wants to get done. God wanted it that way. So it was that way, because God. God gets what God wants, and you don't have to like it. I don't actually think of God as a two-year-old throwing a tantrum, but I also don't sense any resonance of delight in God's will being done. Just as that two-year-old may or may not be pleased, even if they get what they want, God getting what God wants might describe God's will, but not necessarily God's pleasure. At least that's my sense of the word will. Are you with me or am I by myself? The people who made translation decisions for the King James Version of the Bible decided on a different emphasis in Revelation 4 verse 11. I take this difference 
as at least anecdotal evidence that these translators from the early 1600s were aware of a connotation of delight in the Greek vocabulary word thelema. This is Revelation 4.11 in the King James Version. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. If you compare the English translations carefully, you'll notice that even the first line has some minor variation. Our Lord and God in the New International Version is simply O Lord in the King James Version. That type of small disparity comes from the fact that the different Greek manuscripts the translators were looking at had minor variations at that point. Those kinds of minor textual hiccups between different handwritten manuscripts are pretty common and actually go to show how reliable the text of the New Testament actually is, uh, but that's an interesting discussion for a different time. The most significant change is not a variant reading, but two different and legitimate ways of translating thelema. The phrase could mean by your will in the NIV, or it could mean for your pleasure, the KJV because thelema means, roughly, a desirable delight that makes you go, yes, please. I don't know about you, but those two different translations of the same phrase give me very different ideas of this heavenly hymn. The first, by your will, all things were created, makes me think God got what God wanted, and things are set in place because God said so, which is still good news for me, but from a rather theoretical distance. Everything is ordered exactly, down to the last detail. I imagine the music of that hymn to be beautiful, but also complicated and ethereal, a Latin chant with lots of contratenors and counterpoint. The second translation, for your pleasure all things were created, makes me think of a party pretty wild party, with lots of dancing at a zoo. All kinds of creatures are darting back and forth and flying around and cavorting about, trumpeting and buzzing and stampeding in joy. In my imagination, that party is not exactly out of control, but it's not exactly orderly either. I see God smiling as creation plays and dances and enjoys life. The music accompanying this version of the hymn is much closer to a salsa than a Gregorian chant. And God's delight in that scene puts a smile on my face. Maybe I am making too much out of that minor translation decision. Maybe I am stating the difference in exaggerated terms. While those two different takes on the text are honestly a good description of my own personal experience with the different translations, you may not experience the differences quite the same way. So let me put it this way. Even if the difference between by your will and for your pleasure doesn't seem as stark to you as it does to me, if you sense any difference in meaning or implication at all, you've seen my point. I am extremely suspicious after looking at how the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament handles the word for pleasure that when a New Testament author read or wrote the word will in Greek, it meant something closer to the pleasurable delight I desire 
than our English word will ever does. Good pleasure might get close, but not will. I think we need to be careful that our more modern tendency to divorce will from any emotion at all doesn't lead us to misread the Bible. Scripture, it turns out, conflates will and pleasure, and that's good news for us. Look at how the author to the letter of the Hebrews closes the benediction of that book. Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. Yes, please. And may he work in us what is pleasing. Wow! To him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God's will, God's desirable delight, is parallel to that which is pleasing to God. God's thoughtful delight. This isn't just God getting what God wants. This is God wanting what brings God delight. Desirable delight and thoughtful delight are working together in God in a way that leads God to work in us. The Spirit is equipping you for doing things that make the Father go, yes, please, and working in you things that make the Father go, wow. All for the sake of Jesus. Here's a similar example of how the New Testament uses the Greek word thelema to mean more than our English word will can account for. Maybe good pleasure gets close? But I'm thinking this is desirable delight we're talking about. Philippians 2 puts the verb that comes from thelema in close proximity to one of our vocabulary words for thoughtful delight from back in chapter 2. Oi dokeo. Remember, oi dokeo. To think well of, approve, delight in. That's the Greek word oidokeo, which we defined as be pleased with, think well of, approve, delight in. The Father uses that thoughtful delight word of the Son at Jesus' baptism. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Oidokeo. Philippians 2 uses the noun that comes from that delight verb to talk about what God thinks about us. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will, thelema, desirable delight, and to work for his good pleasure, oidukia, thoughtful delight. I can't wait for chapter 10 on God's work. Uh, But for now, notice that God is working in you so that you say yes, please, to the thing that makes God go, wow. God is creating a desirable delight in you so that you hold on to and put yourself under and work for the thing that gives God thoughtful delight. God wants your will, good pleasure, to align with the work that brings God delight, good pleasure. When we pray, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, we are not asking our Heavenly Father to make us get on board with the cold and calculating way the eternal Creator has ordered all things so that God gets what God wants. Instead, 
We are asking God to work in us a holy and pleasurable desire to do what puts a smile on the Father's face and makes the Spirit do a little jig and causes Jesus to sing his happy song. That's what God's will is. Absolute delight. To desire God's will is to delight in God's delight. You were created and continue to exist not because of some uncaring and well-ordered mathematical equation tied to God's abstract and impersonal will. You were created and still exist because your ongoing existence brings God delight. And you are invited to delight in God's delight. Isn't that just awesome? Cue the salsa music. And that's where we'll stop for tonight. Tomorrow we get to talk about Jesus and God's delight. And then, right, the kind of apex of God's will and God's delight will take a turn and wonder about suffering and how that fits into God's will and God's delight as we look at the section Suffering, Obedience, and Jesus and then look at suffering obedience and you. Thanks for joining us tonight. It was wonderful to have you along for the ride. As always, I'd invite you to like this on your Facebook page or share it. Perhaps invite some friends to a watch party tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we continue this chapter on God's will guiding our adventure. I invite you to become a Next Step patron and to be a part of helping create these resources that help people delight in taking a next step. Check out our blog and share something with a friend. Everything you do goes towards increasing that awareness of God's action in our lives. I would say increases our delight in God's delight. Thanks for being a part of this. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press. Good night.